Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the second Sunday in Lent is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments about today's sermon, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website, faithlutheran-aflc.org. Now let's join in and hear what God has to say to us today. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the psalm appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Psalm 121, which can be found on page 965 of your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Heavenly Father, these are your words and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. For most, if not all of my life, Minneapolis has been a destination. Most of this time... This was a destination from northwest of here, from the plains of North Dakota, and I can still, without thinking too long and hard about it, tell you every landmark on the trip from Grand Forks to Minneapolis. Now, the first landmark is Fargo, because there's literally nothing in between Grand Forks and Fargo, just barren emptiness. But then from Fargo, it's Barnesville, and then Fergus, and then Alexandria, and then Sauk Center, and then St. Cloud, and then Monticello, and then you're in the cities. And if you break up those landmarks, if you break up the trip into those landmarks, the, the, the four and a half or so hours from Grand Forks to Minneapolis becomes tolerable when you're a small child. And that's really the only way you can do it. Otherwise, it takes forever. Now, some of the time in coming to the cities, I've approached from the south, especially for the year that I lived in Oklahoma City. And and the landmarks are much more vague for me in that, mostly because of experience and and partly because the, the towns don't quite line themselves up as nicely. There's Albert Lee and Owatonna, and that's about it. But for me, always in approaching Minneapolis from the south, there's one last landmark. And that landmark is when you hit Buck Hill. And you hit Buck Hill, you're at the highest point in the southern suburbs, and you can look down on the downtown Minneapolis, and you can see all the buildings. And and for, for my opinion, the view of Minneapolis from Burnsville, from that hill where Buck Hill is at, is the best sight that you get of downtown Minneapolis. I, I think it's gorgeous. And, and that's when I've always known that I'm home, is when you can see downtown. Now, our psalm today works 
almost in the same way, but more or less in reverse. The, the psalm today is a psalm that is written for pilgrims. And I'm not talking the Thanksgiving variety of pilgrims. I'm talking about those people who are on pilgrimage. And, and rather than seeing Jerusalem from the hills, the idea for the pilgrim singing Psalm 121 is you get to the point where you can see Jerusalem on the hill. And that's the spirit that the first verse of Psalm 121 is written in. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. The idea then that, that we can import into the, the writer of Psalm, into his mind and his heart as he reflected on this, is one of the road-weary traveler. You're, you're covered in dust, perhaps the, the scant few supplies you've packed for the journey, uh, have, they're, they're empty now, you're going to have to buy supplies again once you're in Jerusalem, and you look up and you can see Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the highest point in the area. All roads led up into Jerusalem, and you're refreshed. You know you're almost there. But for the pilgrim especially, it wasn't just the sight of the city that excited you. It was the hope of the temple. I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And the psalmist, the pilgrim, is looking for the temple because he's waiting, he's expecting, he's anticipating the presence of the Lord. And that's the excitement and the emotion behind Psalm 121. And, and today, we're going to look at the assurance and comfort that the writer of Psalm 121 derives from this hope and from this expectation of the presence of the Lord. And so we start with, the anticipation comes because the Lord helps. Now when you stop and think about the Lord as a helper, it's a little strange, it's a little kind of disconcerting, it's almost a presumptuous title, that the Lord is my, my helper. Because when, at least for me, when I've used the term helper, it's frequently used with, air quotes around it and because I'm talking about one of my kids. And so you're out and about with one of the kids and the cashier at the store goes, oh, I see you have a helper. And if you're a parent, the appropriate response to that comment is, yes, I have a helper. Right? That's how it works. And sometimes it feels that that's how we often treat God in our lives. We have a helper. Uh, but that's not the case here. Because to call the Lord your helper is really to call the Lord your ally. To, call, to, to say the Lord is my help, is, it's a term of reconciliation and hope. When you think about the effect that our sin has on our lives, the whole concept of the Lord being our helper becomes really, really important because in our sin, that is inverted, that is broken, that is, that is corrupted. Because in sin, God is not our helper. God is our enemy. We've been separated from God. He's been cast away, or he's cast us away from his presence, and we've become 
rebels trying to seize his throne and his power as our own. And so for the psalmist to call the Lord helper here is not only to long for a restored relationship with God, but it's to admit that it's not only a possibility, but that it's a reality. It's a, a confession of faith. God is my ally. And in fact, the psalmist here calls the Lord his helper in a very similar way to us when we confess the Apostles' Creed. Listen to these words. First of the psalmist, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then us. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The similarities are direct and close. And what the psalmist does here as he approaches Jerusalem, as he looks for the presence of the Lord, as he hopes for the presence of the Lord, as he confesses his faith. He confesses his faith in God who provides everything he needs. And then suddenly we realize that the Lord as our helper is a great thing and it is usually far from how we treat God. Most of the time when we think about God helping us, it's as a cosmic butler where we want God to stay out of the way until we really need him. We want him to give us the thing that we need and then we want him to go back downstairs into the butler's quarters. Some of the time, though, we treat God as if he's some vindictive cosmic sheriff. We fear he won't give us what we need. We fear he doesn't even want to give us what we need. That he'd rather punish us than bless us. But neither of these characters are true because the Lord is our helper. The Lord is our ally. The Lord provides for us and he does so willingly abundantly and graciously. We don't even deserve his help. But then the psalmist goes further. The Lord helps, but the Lord keeps. And the Lord keeping is the central and most important theme of Psalm 121. This idea and this word is repeated six times in eight verses. And the idea of keeping is of preserving. But more than that, when it's used as a title, when the Lord is our keeper, it carries the idea of a night watchman. And that's exactly how the psalmist is using it here. He writes, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is always on guard duty, and he never gets tired. Uh, I have a friend who very recently uh, experienced someone trying to break into his home. And uh, uh, thankfully, his wife uh, heard some noise in their porch, uh, and this led to a very brief face-to-face -face confrontation between my friend and the would-be burglar who looked up and saw him and ran out of the house and, and, and ran away. But, but 
part of the, the fallout of this near break-in is that especially for my friend's wife, she's lost the security and comfort of her own home. That every sound at night becomes a, another potential break-in. Every creak of the house, every rustle of the trees or the bushes outside. And, and he was talking to me that they're in the process of looking for a different house in a different neighborhood now, but also that what he did is he bought one of those home security systems that you install yourself. You know, you just screw some sensors to doors and, and things like that. And, and just the, the knowledge of being protected of someone, or in this case, something watching out for them, has helped his wife to sleep a little better at night. Now she doesn't necessarily have to worry that every sound is a potential burglar. It, this is the type of security that the psalmist is confessing in his relationship with God. The Lord does not slumber or sleep. I don't have to go to bed looking over my shoulder. God is always protecting me. God is always caring for me. He's always looking out for my needs. And in that, the psalmist intensifies what God does for him one more time. The Lord protects. Part of the job of the night watchman is to make others aware of the danger and sound the alarm. That, that's really the military concept of the night watchman. But in this case, the Lord is also the army that is summoned to do the protecting. And he protects us in every facet of life. The Lord protects us from calamity and natural disaster. And this completes the picture the psalmist gives us of the Lord helping us as our provider. God gives us good things because he's the Lord of all creation, but God also protects us from the harmful things because we live in a sinful and fallen world. The heat of the day will not scorch us, but instead is used just for warmth during the cool of the night. And the picture here that the psalmist is confessing is that the Lord is the complete master of creation. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing catches him unaware. There is nothing that God cannot handle. Also, for the psalmist, for the pilgrim on his pilgrimage, the Lord protects us as we travel. He writes, he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Now, this is not the picture of a petty deity who will only bless his followers when he's flattered in the right way and when these followers do nice things for him. If any of you have ever read through the Iliad and the Odyssey, you know, part of the journey is caused because Odysseus offends Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea, who, who uh, then Poseidon challenges Odysseus at, at every turn for multiple years. God is not like the petty gods of the nations. God is not even like karma. But God watches over us and he cares for us as we travel. Now, it is likely 
that you got here to church safely because you're a good and an alert and an attentive driver. But the real reason that God gets you here safely or that you got here safely is because God protects you. That every possible force that would threaten your life or challenge your safety is held at bay because God was protecting you. And God is such a God that he protected each one of you individually and personally. It's a wonderful confession. And God does all of this because the central part of this thought of God as our protector is that he protects us from all evil. He protects us from all evil. Now, I, I spent a fair amount of time this week thinking about exactly what the psalmist might have had in mind when he wrote these words. And I imagine for that the pilgrim, traveling mostly on foot, on the, on the beaten paths of the fringes of the Roman Empire or of, of Israel during the time of the Psalms, the, 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 thing, the primary thing on that traveler's mind was either wild animals or bandits. And the freedom to travel without worrying about that, knowing that you would be protected was certainly a big idea. But there's something more to this psalm when we confess the Lord will deliver us from evil. And that's because the words of this psalm really find their meaning and their intent in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We go back to the beginning. The psalmist finds his hope and his comfort and his assurance in the presence of the Lord. He looks up to the hills and he sees the temple gleaming bright and white in the sun. And he knows that the Lord is there. But it's in Jesus that we find the presence of the Lord. In Jesus that we find God incarnate who took on human flesh and dwelt among us. And everything Jesus does as our Savior makes the hopes and comforts that the psalmist expresses here in Psalm 121 into a tangible, physical reality. Jesus, then, is our helper. Not only does Jesus guarantee God's good and gracious attitude toward us, Jesus is the means and the evidence that we're reconciled to God. So that even when your life does not go according to plan, even when something up upends your plans and you suffer, your suffering is not the evidence of God's attitude and opinion of you. Jesus is your evidence of God's opinion and attitude towards you. Jesus is also your night watchman. He keeps watch over you as the good shepherd he preserves you. He will not let one of his little lambs be snatched out of his hand. And this is because Jesus is your protector. Jesus himself keeps you from all evil because in Jesus, evil is a defeated foe. Jesus conquered evil. He defeated sin, death, and the devil on the cross for you and in your place. 
And now we, just as the psalmist is, we are pilgrims, journeying through life on the way to our destination, the promised land, eternity, with God forever. And in this pilgrimage, on this pilgrimage, we have every right and privilege to look to the hills and to find our help. Because we too look for the presence of the Lord. And it's in Jesus Christ, in his wounds, in his cross, in his empty tomb, and in his shed blood, there we find the presence of the Lord, his good and gracious presence for us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.